When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, are all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Yes, even in Jerusalem, there was commentary. I appreciate uh, Jacob's prayer and many of you coming forward to uh, pray. That was a very meaningful time. And I'll remember my Lance Corporal, 19-year-old young man who passed away knowing that he has a mother, father, maybe siblings back home and friends who will be very mindful of his death uh, tomorrow, especially on Memorial Day. I invite you to remember these individuals and pray for their families tomorrow as well as we celebrate Memorial Day. It's good to be with you. Thankful for Sarah Scott and uh, the idea of the Holy Spirit being a cell phone convicted me because when I can't find my cell phone, I get a little nervous. I get anxious about it. Anybody else want to admit to that? You can't, you don't know where it is, right? Could we have that same feeling when we don't sense the Holy Spirit in our lives? Maybe I'm done preaching. We ought to just go home with that. (laughs) Will you pray with me? Lord, we invite now your Holy Spirit to come into these words that are spoken and to illuminate them and to most importantly illuminate our hearts and minds that we may be faithful that we may be bold witnesses, not only in Tyler, Texas, but around the world. Come, Holy Spirit, bless the words that are spoken here now. Use them for your purposes. Come, Holy Spirit, as I preach, please teach your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think it's a safe statement to say that everyone loves a good gift. Now, we can get into asking, okay, what are good gifts and what are bad gifts? We won't go there. But if we know it's a gift from God, let's just assume that it's a good gift, something that's very purposeful for us, something that is desirable, something that should be something that we should utilize greatly in our lives. Are we excited about a gift that God desires to give to us, every believer in Jesus Christ? Are you excited? about the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because God has already given us, I believe, his greatest gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, which we commemorate today 
on Pentecost Sunday. On Friday morning, I had the opportunity to meet with Tom Brown and Jeff Pinkerton and a whole host of other Marvin Methodists and First Baptists and other men of the community there at We Hope Ranch. And we celebrated a breakfast together and had a Bible study together. And Mark Donaldson was the speaker. He was speaking about Pentecost being this weekend. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. And he shared a passage from the Gospel of Luke that I was reminded about. Personally, to be honest with you, I have memorized this passage in Gospel's version, uh, Matthew's version of the Gospel, and in so doing, I needed to hear afresh Luke's take on this because I think it is the best gift. Luke eleven thirteen says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I've always memorized it as, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him, right? Good gifts, but not the Holy Spirit. But Luke, we must remember, is also the author of the book of Acts, often referred to as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we don't call it that, but we should, because it's the Holy Spirit who's the primary character in the book of Acts. The first scripture lesson this morning that Jacob read for us, Jesus tells his disciples after his resurrection, in that in-between period before his ascension, he says to them, don't leave Jerusalem because my Father has a good gift for you. He has the gift, and there's that word again, of the Holy Spirit. Friends, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity is truly the good gift that is given to us who are followers of Jesus Christ proclaiming our allegiance to him. And this is a great way to end our sermon series, God is with us, because the Holy Spirit is always with us. Many of you know, if you've been around Mark Donaldson, and if you've been around his ministry, he's been here, he came in right in the middle of COVID, July 2020, and he came to our campus. He began to pray that prayer very often. Come, Holy Spirit. Friends, we see it right here on the, uh, the colors of the pyramids, the words, come, Holy Spirit. I asked Mark this week, I said, Mark, uh, why the phrase, come, Holy Spirit? Where did that come from? Why is it important to you? What got you starting to pray that way? He shared with me a website and a link to Nikki Gumbel's uh, words about the prayer, come hold the Spirit. And Nikki Gumbel is a pastor in England who wrote the Alpha Course. If you took the basic Christianity class called Alpha, you know that Nikki Gumbel was the author of that. But back in the 1980s, Nikki was at a prayer gathering or at a, a church meeting, and someone prayed, come Holy Spirit. And Nikki said in his words, God is always present with us, but when you pray, come Holy Spirit, you're asking for an increased awareness of his presence. You're inviting him to come and do a good work among us. And in Nikki's words, that night opened his eyes to a neglected prayer that the church should be praying more often, myself included. Come Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit truly is the power that does the work for the church and the sharing of the gospel. For thousands of years, people have been praying for the Holy Spirit to come, to come and to move among us. 
Come, Holy Spirit, is a prayer that is first documented in the 200s by theologian Hippolytus, wrote an invocation to the Holy Spirit that says, as we pray, we should pray, send your Holy Spirit. And then in the 800s, a Frankish monk by the name of Rabanus Maurus wrote a song for the church called, Come, Creator Spirit. And I love that because the Holy Spirit truly is a creator of life and energy, a creator of hope and, and comfort, a creator because he helps us so much. In the 1200s, the church, especially the Western church, began to embrace the language of come Holy Spirit with this prayer. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. I was curious. I had to look into the 1700s of John Wesley, the starter of the Methodist movement, and to see Wesley, what was his relationship to the Holy Spirit? How dependent upon him was the Holy Spirit? I can tell you this of John Wesley. He was so dependent upon the Holy Spirit and the great awakening that was birthed over England through the preaching out in the coal mines and on the streets. He was so in tune with the Holy Spirit that his bishop actually called him out on it and said this, and it's not positive, friends. Here are the words of the bishop. I, uh, Wesley, you're pretending extraordinary revelations and gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're pretending, to which Wesley responded, I pretend to no extraordinary revelations or gifts of the Holy Ghost, none but what every Christian may receive and ought to expect and pray for. Come on, John, preach it, brother. What a great word. What every believer should expect and pray for. I'm here to say to you, Marvin family, we need to expect and pray for the Holy Spirit to do a good work among us and to birth revival in the Marvin church. In the 1980s, Nikki Gumbel was one who I mentioned earlier who started this idea of praying, and other pastors in America were also praying for the Holy Spirit's movement. And in the 1980s, there was a sense of some revival. Think about all the great meetings of Billy Graham and the people that came to Christ, the small group movement, the mega church movement. And friends, I would say to you that in the 1980s, Marvin Church doubled in its size in regards to our, our campus and also probably grew in 1,000 people in membership. It was a glorious time. People in America were in church in the 1980s unlike they are today. Could it have been because people were praying for the Holy Spirit to move afresh on us? We've seen some movement of the Spirit at Asbury College this year. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and visit us. Move among us and do a good work around us. As we talk about Pentecost today and as we celebrate that in the church God is taking something traditional and older and doing something new, and that's told in the gospel stories. What was Jesus doing when he gathered his disciples in the upper room that night before his death? He was celebrating the Passover meal, and the Passover meal was looking backwards to God's deliverance of God's people from Egypt and slavery to bring them to a promised land, to bring them to freedom. And Jesus would take the bread and he would break it and say, this is now my body. This is now my blood that is shed for you. Do this as often as you do and remember me 
and the next day he would lay down his life for us and things would be right with God through his atoning sacrificial death. He became our Passover lamb and God rebirthed and rebranded the meaning of the Passover for Christ and for our forgiveness of sins. And so friends, now we come to Pentecost, another Jewish holiday. A Jewish holiday in which people came together to celebrate the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai and to celebrate the first fruits of their harvest that had, happened, that had taken place. And so they came together and Jerusalem was filled again just like it was at Passover. And that is when God brings the gift, his greatest gift of all, the Holy Spirit calms, comes and falls afresh. People began to speak about the amazing works of God. We have the law given, Moses, that's why they're there celebrating, and then Peter should step up, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and proclaim for the very first time the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And the people responded, and 3,000 people were baptized that day to be the first believers of Jesus Christ, and the church was born. Friends, it was the new harvest. It was the first fruits of all of us. There that day in Pentecost, God doing something new for us, and the calling cards of God were obvious. The wind, the fire, and the communication and the revelation. So let's look for the word here, wind, and we'll go back and do a quick summary of our scriptures. We go back to the second verse of scripture, Genesis 1, 2, the ruach. The word is ruach. The, the, the spirit was, was hovering over the chaotic waters and God was about ready to call forth his creation. There are things in creation we see the Spirit's presence. We see God saying, let there be. There is a spokenness of God, a revelation to God, and there is a creation of something. There, when the Spirit is present, things come to life. Ezekiel 37, known as the Valley of Dry Bones. Again, the prophet Ezekiel has a vision. He has got to see this big, huge field that's filled with dry, dusty bones. And the Lord says to him, Ezekiel, can these bones rise again? And he says, I think they can, or maybe he didn't say anything. The Lord said, I want you to prophesy over these, bo these bones. And as he prophesies over the bones, I love the, the language of Ezekiel 37, 9. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these that are dead that they may live. There's that wind and that movement. There's that life-bringing soul that comes alive. And then Jesus speaks to Nicodemus in John, the third chapter, and he says to him, you know, we don't know, Nicodemus, which way the wind is coming from, where will we go? We see its signs, and so it is so with everyone born of the Holy Spirit. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Holy Spirit. You, Nicodemus, must be born again. And as you are born again, you will be born also in the Holy Spirit. There's that idea of the wind and the life that comes through the wind and the scriptures. And now let's talk about fire. When the Lord descended on Mount Sinai to give the law to Moses, guess what? Exodus 19, 18 says, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on Mount Sinai in fire. And Jesus, I mean, Moses must have recognized 
the fire because he saw a burning bush when he was called a, bur- a burning bush that was not consumed. That is, the, that is the, tr- the card of our Lord showing up in fire. And when that people were wandering in the wilderness, there was a fire, a pillar of fire that led them in the night and in their tabernacle that they established, a place for the holiness of God to dwell. There was a lampstand always lit always lit. And Luke, thank you for lighting our candles today in the service because when we light these candles, friends, we celebrate the presence of God with us. Ezekiel, you might remember his story after Jezebel. He's hanging out in a cave and he's afraid for his life and yet there is rushing wind that goes by and there is fire that passes by and a still small voice that speaks to him. These are God's calling cards, fire and wind and a spoken word of revelation. But it is important to note, my friends, that the fire rests on every single disciple in that upper room that day, in that house that day. John 14, 17 says, the spirit of truth, he lives with you and will be in you. Whereas in this Bible, the spirit is moving and, and goes and anoints people and it uses people for God's purposes. The church has now been given every individual, every disciple, every follower of Christ has been given because of the flame on every head in that room, the Holy Spirit. And we celebrate not only the wind and the fire, but the revelation. As God hovered again in Genesis, the Spirit hovers, God speaks, let there be, something happens. On the mountain of Moses, God shows up in the fire and declares the Ten Commandments. He gives the revelation, and he now has a covenant people. When the wind blows over the valley of dry bones, Ezekiel has to prophesy to make those bones come alive. There is a word from God that's connected to all this. And on Pentecost Day, the people were declaring the amazing works of God. And afterwards, Peter stood up and proclaimed the gospel, and the people were saved. Wow. Jesus, when he came in his ministry, we know his conception made possible by the Holy Spirit. He was driven out into the desert by the Spirit to face the temptations of the devil. He was dependent upon the Holy Spirit to do his work, and towards the end of his ministry, he began to say and telegraph to his disciples, things are going to change. I won't be here with you long, but listen to what he says. Even though I'm leaving you, I will not leave you as orphans. And it is actually to your advantage, Jesus says, that I leave because then the Holy Spirit can come and be your helper. John 14 uses the word paraclete. In the Greek, we see the word pneuma, oftentimes for spirit, but here in John 14, it is paraclete. Para means to come alongside. Kaleo means to call forth or to call something, to say the right thing. And so the Holy Spirit comes alongside you, inside you, and calls out of you the right word, the right prayer, the right response, the right witness to those who need to hear of the gospel. Friends, now is a time when I think we desperately need in this country, in our city, in East Texas, a fresh movement of the Holy Spirit. And I believe now than ever, 
that we are tired and weary after COVID and after all that we've been through. We've seen the division. We're worn out by social media. We have, uh, we have a, 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 a worn out sense of compassion because we're trying to care for everybody's stuff out there on the internet. And I've been reading John Mark Comer's book, Live No Lies. And in his book, Comer describes an undercurrent in America today where people are tired, they're worn down, and they're struggling to be faithful, which should be no surprise in a post-Christian culture that we are beginning to feel the wear and tear of living in a place where Christianity is no longer honored and revered as it once was. The church is no longer honored and revered as it once was. There are three enemies to the soul, Comer says, an inner tug of war, an emotional exhaustion, and a spiritual draining thing. And the only thing that oftentimes keeps us going is our caffeinated stimulant of choice to prop us up. Friends, he declares that the world, the flesh, and the devil are against the soul. And so let me unpack this just real quickly. The devil, let me remind you, the best trick of the devil is to make you think he does not exist. But the Bible's very clear. Jesus' teachings are very clear that there is an adversary. He is a liar, and he wants to kill, steal, steal, and destroy your life. The devil's clever. He's not going to come out with just all-out lies. Most of what he will say to you is about a 95% truth, but 5% of it will be wrong and inaccurate, will distort the truth enough that confusion will come. Now, these deceptive ideas of the father of lies begin to play on our disordered lives. Our lives become disordered in the flesh as we are fallen beings. When we are not walking by the Spirit, but walking by the flesh, as Paul says in Galatians 5, we begin to embrace these false ideas and internalize them and live them out, which perpetuates the distortion in our lives. Some lies that we might hear are, are like these. Well, I need to drink to help me relax at night, even if it's every night. It's not my fault. It's someone else's. I can do what I want to do because I'm a grown adult, and this is what I want, and this makes me happy. When we begin to internalize and to work through these lies, we begin to walk not by the Spirit. We begin to gratify the desires of the flesh and when our lives become disordered and we're walking in the flesh, guess what happens? The post-Christian world cheers for you. The post-Christian world normalizes and affirms practices that are out of step with God's word and his will. We begin to feel more at home with the world than we are in God's sanctifying truth. And after all this, we are no longer called out. We are no longer distinct. We are no longer a holy people led by the Holy Spirit. We become worldly in our ways. That's for you and the Holy Spirit to work out. But let me tell you, Comer says, Let's not be confused. We are at war with our soul. Our soul is at war, excuse me, with the world. What do we need? Come. Come, Holy Spirit, and bring the deliverance. Bring the hope. Bring the encouragement. Come, Holy Spirit, and do a good work in us. I love the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to personalize this and it applies to all of us. I just feel compelled to personalize this today. I love the Holy Spirit because when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ at age 15, it was the Holy Spirit that prompted me to say the words, 
Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord. 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit because I have seen the Holy Spirit equip the church, including myself. I have the gifts of shepherding. I have the gifts of encouragement and teaching. Those are my spiritual gifts. I do not have all the gifts to make this church operate. It requires the church's gifts that have been given by the Holy Spirit to be mobilized to do the great work that needs to be done. And we're gonna be working on that as a church here in the future, knowing our gifts, using our gifts, maximizing those gifts, training for those gifts, and mobilizing those gifts. And let me say this, I'm grateful that God has made us all distinctly different, that we can all make our contribution. But also, I love the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit because he bears fruit in me. I do not have love, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control on my own, by my own willpower. When the good in me is coming, it is because of the gift of the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in me. And God offers counsel through the Spirit. He teaches me truth, as I was reminded last Friday, about the Holy Spirit being the good gift that God wants to give to the church. Gosh, I've been preaching a long time, but I needed to hear that. And I believe the Holy Spirit put that right out there in front of me on that morning. While I preach, as I pray, Holy Spirit, you need to teach. And I'm under no delusions that what I say to you all here in the congregation is something that is going to always be helpful. But I do trust that the Holy Spirit will take something maybe that I say, and he will work his will into it, and you will not leave this church without hearing a word that you need to hear from the Holy Spirit today. There have been numerous times when people have said to me at the door, I love when you said this. And I'm like, I didn't say that. It's because the Holy Spirit helped you to hear something that you needed to hear. And I trust the Holy Spirit to take what I give in my offering today from this pulpit and to do his good work in it that you might grow in Christ and become more like Jesus Christ as an apprentice to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love the Holy Spirit because he prays for me. Because the scripture says in Romans 8, I don't know how to pray. And there's times that I can't find the words, but the Holy Spirit intercedes on my behalf with groanings too deep for words. Praise God that the Holy Spirit comes alongside me and offers up the prayers that I cannot answer. Or I can't even see the, sometimes the need. And I will just share with you that when my mother died in last June, and I went back a couple of days later and reflected with my journal I saw seven answered prayers that I did not pray. Seven answered prayers that the Lord gave me the ability to see afterwards through that looking back to see that person came right at the right time. That person said the right thing at the right time. And mom was in a certain place at the right time. Gina and I were there at the right time. And I just counted each time that the Holy Spirit had prayed and God had answered. And lastly, but most importantly, I'm here today to say that I can preach the gospel for Jesus Christ because of the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not my will, it is God's will that needs to be done, and it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to preach and to teach throughout this campus so that there we can be our witnesses for God in this community, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. It is by, my friends, the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Friends, on February 9th, 1941, Winston Churchill 
at the end of a broadcast from London, commented on a recent conversation with Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the United States president of the time. They were discussing World War II, America's involvement. These are the words of Churchill. I treasure them. Uh, this is the end of his speech. We shall not fail or falter. We shall not weaken or tire. Neither the sudden shock of battle nor the long-drawn trials of vigilance and exertion will wear us down. Give us the tools and we'll finish the job. Friends, I'm here to say to you, God has given us not the tools. God has given us the person, the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 on our campus at 300 West Irwin Street, downtown Tyler. God's up to something here at Marvin Church, and I don't want you to miss out. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church, its ministry, and serving opportunities. And if we can be of any help and assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope you let us know.